in order to break the reactive cycle, and you just talked about it a little bit before, you have to be aware of it. You have to start to even recognize, like, oh, there I go again. Unlock possibilities by changing your mindset. You will expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. You're moving into a land of both blind spots and learning, of things and ideas. You just crossed over into the mindset zone. Join your guide, Anna Malikia, founder of Solo Biz Academy, the director of education for Book Yourself Solid and a PhD in psychology. The show you are about to listen is backed by popular demand from the Mindset Zone Archive Vault. To get all new episodes, make sure you subscribe via your favorite podcast app and visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find the episode archive, show notes, and other amazing resources, including how to four times your success so you can work smarter, not harder, and learn how to leverage your talents to make a bigger impact while enjoying the process. All at Mindset.Zone. Hi, Anna Malikian here, and today I'm very thrilled because I'm going to be speaking uh, with Eric Zimmer here, the host of another podcast that I absolutely love. And this podcast is called The One You Feed. And this podcast is being quite well (laughs) known in iTunes and is even been named as the best of 2014. And it's really an amazing collection of open-minded discussion of habits, wisdom, psychology, philosophy, and meditation. Eric interviewed many interesting, amazing people. And he also has the what I also love, these mini episodes, like five, 10 minutes episodes that always make us think about the things that we can do different in our lives. Eric starts all his, almost all of his episodes with a short story that explains the title of his podcast. So I would like to invite Eric into this conversation and tell us the story that he starts his podcast with. So the podcast is called The One You Feed, and it's based on, um, I think, what's known as the parable of two wolves. And in it, there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle with each other. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops, and he thinks about it for a second. He looks up at his grandfather, and he says... Grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. Powerful. Very powerful. Um, And I know that I I listen a lot to your podcast. I know how you love stories. And uh, there is another story that you also love uh, that is called the, uh, The Second Arrow. Can you tell us that story and then we go from there? 
Sure. This, the story of the second arrow is, um, it's a Buddhist story. So it's, it's traced back to something the Buddha said. And it's basically the, in one of his talks, the, the Buddha compared the way a lot of us work in our minds or the stories we tell ourselves to being shot with a second arrow. So what he said was, you know, if you're shot with the first arrow, there, there's a, you know, you get shot by the arrow and there's a lot of pain, but most of us turn around and shoot ourselves with a second arrow or a metaphorical arrow arrow. When we start saying things like, well, I bet, you know, I had, I deserve this, or I'm the kind of person that always gets shot by arrows or I'll never be normal again, or whatever the, the stories that we tell ourselves after a bad event happens to us. And, and I think so the story is is that is that idea of, of shooting ourselves with a second arrow, adding what I would call suffering on top of the pain that we have. Uh, we all have painful events in life, but most of us tend to make it worse by what I what we tell ourselves about those events. And I think it's like a, a great image that. Uh, recognizes because I think this is very important. Recognizes that bad thing happens to people. Uh, that is that first arrow. Some things uh, life can throw us sometimes uh, quite uh, some challenges. Yet is what maybe we don't have a saying in that first arrow. We don't uh, sometimes just tru truly catch us by surprise. Yet we can have lo uh, we have lots to say about the second arrow. Uh, and I think that also has a lot to do with feeding, deciding which wolf to feed. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that in Buddhism there's a there's a distinction made between um, pain and suffering, and I think that's a really useful distinction. As you just said, it's it's we can't control the first the the things that happen to us in life. Life has lots of things that are unpleasant in it. Um, everyone's going to have them, you know, sickness and aging and death and and all sorts of things. But we do have a, a degree of control over how we interpret those and what are the stories we tell ourselves. And I often think that feeding the good wolf or the bad wolf to me is sometimes I just think that that's very much about what am I allowing to run loose in my mind as far as thoughts. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, going to that first first arrow for a moment um, and thinking about the stories that we tell ourselves, even in relation to the, this, because so often we are in that, oh, when I have this, when I have that, when I achieve this, when I achieve that, finally I can relax, finally I can do this or that. And I will... And, uh, the amazing thing is that if we keep waiting for things to happen, um, it's the stories that we are telling ourselves. We are delaying, really make, uh, enjoying our lives more fully. Right. Well, I think the, the, the challenge there is that it's that, that I'll be happy when is, mm -hmm. um, it's the mindset. And so we're, then is never, never comes. I mean, for me, it's always been, I get to what I thought would make me happy. I don't feel happy. Mm -hmm. So I then think it's the next thing instead of stopping and questioning like, oh, maybe this idea in general that I'll be happy when is flawed. I just, you know, most of us don't see that. We just think, oh, well, it wasn't this thing. It's the next thing. And it's the next thing. And not that there's anything wrong with striving and achieving and all that, but it's, it's what we expect those things to do for us. 
Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I find very interesting is that when we look, even I, I always sometimes see images of kids in very Odyssey, in poor neighborhoods or in even third world countries or poor countries that they really don't have many material things. And you see them playing with the ball outside, like playing soccer or something like that in, outside, uh, in the outside streets. And they are happy. They are laughing. They are having fun. And that is a kind of situation that makes me think we always are putting all these conditions of what we need to be happy or to enjoy our lives. But uh, if we look around, the people that are enjoying more their lives, they, they are in that moment, doing that, they are not worried about what is going to happen next. Yeah, it's very much a mindset. And it's very much, I think, um, you know, I think it's an ability at, at, at a certain point, it becomes an ability to be present to where we are. Um, you know, I, I was in California earlier this year, and I, I lived in California for years, and I go back you know, semi-regularly, but I hadn't been out there in a few years. But, and I've done a lot of work with meditation over the last few years and, and a lot of really looking at that, like, I'll be happy when mentality. And normally when I would go to California, we would, you know, I'd go out to the beach and I would, it would just be so beautiful. And immediately my thoughts would be like, how can I be here more? I need to be here more. Maybe I could get a place on the beach. Maybe I could, you know, I'm suddenly not not paying any attention to where I'm at anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grasping and clinging to that good feeling and trying to figure out how to get more of it, make more of it. And, and I noticed how that didn't happen as much this time. Mm -hmm. When I was out there, I was able to just sort of be there and uh, enjoy the, the scenery, enjoy the ocean and be present. But I think I had to that took effort on my part to, to develop that skill because so many years of just always projecting forward to the future or, you know, again, that if I had, if I had a place on the beach, then I'd really be happy, you know, which is just, it's, it's a, it's a form of craziness. <laughs> And also shows that this, this is a, a story of the, um, the, and the stories that we tell ourselves and the, the first and the second arrow. Uh, even can we can use this for good, uh, good things in our lives because w what you're saying you are in a beautiful place that was the first arrow you were there <laughs> supposedly it, uh, in a place that you could enjoy a lot and instead of flavoring that the moment in the fullest way that you could you were telling stories about how uh, if I had a house here if I was here more time that were preventing you for flavoring the moment It, exactly. And it's that it's, it's just the inability to be where I'm at and have that be enough. And I think a lot of that is, you know, mindfulness is all the rage these days, mm -hmm. but I think it gets a lot of attention for a very good reason, which is that most of us are really terrible yeah. at it. <laughs> we are, we are, we are in our heads with our stories about what we're experiencing all the time instead of actually experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And this leads me uh, before you know, in preparation to this interview, I was listening to more of your podcasts and especially one of the episodes, one of the latest episodes, the number 70 of the, the One You Feed podcast where you interview uh, David Reddish. Uh -huh. uh, and was very interesting what you are, what you were you two were speaking about in terms of the decision making and how how does it works 
and how uh, there is that more deliberate uh, way that we can think in our goals or planning, but there is there more automatical ways or what I think he calls the Pavolian one uh, based in the Pavlov. Or, um, um, so he, he differentiates in a very interesting way the way that we make decisions. Yeah, he talks about um, his. He's a he's a researcher really focused on decision making, and he says that we have multiple decision making systems. Just kind of like you said, there's the one that we all think of, which is the deliberative system, which is the one that we you know it's it's deductive you know reasoning. It's well, there's this, then there's that, and we we kind of think it all through very much you know, prefrontal cortex type mm -hmm. stuff. And then there is, he did describe sort of what he calls the Pavlovian system, which is much more um, driven by emotional things. Mm -hmm. It's much more um, subconscious on some level. And, um, you know, and then he goes into some other ones, um, you know, the automatic response, which is more like, um, you know, the way a basketball player you know, has internalized how to play basketball. They they make decisions in a split second: go left, go right, and and that is a decision making system. But it is so automatic mm -hmm. and so well trained at that point. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting um, and, and, conversation too. And the the and, thing that he said. Oh, and, go ahead, and then sorry. he also speaks about the reflexes. Yep. Uh, yep. And my question to you is that when do you, when, what do you think that is the mechanism? And I know that we are just fresh with these ideas. I really want to read this book because I think there is this differentiation that he makes between the, the different systems is really very powerful. But just playing a little bit with ideas, what do you think that is decision-making mechanism that is more dominant for the second arrow to strike? I think it's Pavlovian. Mm -hmm. I think it is. Um, I think it's very much an automatic response based on our previous experience, based, based on, on the wolf that we have fed so far more. That, yep, the wolf that we fed for so many years, the stories that we've been told by others. Um, you know, your your um, your podcast is titled Mindset, and. Um, you know, there's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, yes. you know, the idea of a fixed versus growth mm -hmm. mindset. And, and we just did an interview with her last week yeah. that will be coming out. And, you know, that really, when you just said that, you know, I, it, it's so interesting to me, the, you know, there's a, there's a fixed mindset, right, which I, you, I, maybe you've talked about on your show a bunch, but fixed mindset is I'm kind of this way, here's what I've got, things are the way they are. And the growth mindset says things can be different. And I think, for a lot of us, we have that fixed mindset, and that's the way we interpret the world. So I think that decision-making system that kicks in is very Pavlovian. When something happens to us that's not good, most of the stories that spin up tend, I think, to be very much automatic. And that's where the, um, in that case, the the decision, the more deliberative decision-making system can be helpful because we can question, yeah. you know, if I've, if I broke my leg, um, and I'm telling myself like, well, that's it. I'll never walk again. Mm -hmm. I can ask myself, what well, is that really true? I mean, do I, th you know, do I, how do I know that's true? I can begin to question these automatic thoughts. Yeah. And that has to do a lot with one of the things that Dr. Carol Dweck speaks about, how we can move from the, a fixed mindset to a grow mindset. Because one of the things that I love about her work is that she, 
we the main thing is that we can learn so if we are like oh i'm always with disgusted uh, bad thinking about everything i cannot stop this yet is enough to add that word yet to the end of something yeah uh, oh, there is something that we can do about it. So even if this we strike, uh, okay, the first arrow, we don't, happens. Uh, good or bad, is just something that happened. The second arrow is us that are throwing it against ourselves. But even at that moment, we can decide to be there, maybe with a third, a fourth, a fifth arrow, or just for a moment think, maybe I can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's it's just enough to to start to question. You know, when we asked um, Carol about, you know, I asked her that question. What do you? Okay, so how do you move from a fixed mindset yeah. to a growth mm-hmm. mindset? What are you know? One of the things she said is, well, just start to listen to what your brain yeah. is telling you. Listen to the stories that you're telling yourself, and then gradually start to question them. Uh, use the uh, the growth mindset voice to question your fixed mindset. Does it really have to be this way? There is no exception. Was always like this. So start to create some doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that can be very helpful. And start to realize that uh, I think the main thing is start to realize this that doesn't have to be that way all the time. Even if right. If there is an exception. And another thing that I love about this concept of growth and fixed mindset is that to to realize that even people, and I'm considering part of this group, that I'm a lifelong learner and I love to work with lifelong learners and <laughs> something that I adore learning, but even people that are very open to learn stuff, all of us have fixed mindset around certain areas of our lives. Yep. We absolutely do. And I think we even some of us have a bit of a fixed mindset and a bit of a growth mindset, even in the same, even in the same area. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very powerful idea that I was, I've been thinking a lot, a lot about lately since we, I prepared to interview or we did the interview and then um, just went through editing it. So, Mm -hmm. because for me, the idea of uh, um, when we are stuck in something, say that kind of situations that we know that, that we should be doing, but we are not doing, and there is something there that we are uh, in our own way so, so often, usually that is an indication there is a fixed mindset going on there. Yeah. And I call them the, our mindset blind spots. Uh, we are not yet aware that we have, but we start to perceive that there is something there. And then we can start discovering what is there and start to see at least recognize that there is something there. And then we will are able to uh, ask questions and to decide maybe we can do something or learn something that can help me on this. Yep. So very, very powerful. And another thing, because I think one of the, the, the story of the second arrow also brings that a lot, is that we, it's so easy for us to be in that reactive mode. Yep. And, uh, and you have interviewing amazing people, very interesting people. I think it's one of the fun things of doing the podcast is this opportunity that we have of picking out the brain of uh, incredible uh, people and thinkers. Yep. So from yep. all that, and I know that this uh, topic of being reactive is something that you explore too. 
what will be advice, what will, so far you are finding as the best strategies to break this reactive cycle in our lives? Well, I think the first, in order to break the reactive cycle, and you just talked about it a little bit before, you have to be aware of it. You have to start to even recognize like, oh, there I go again. Or because for a lot of us, it's very, very unconscious. I think that that we we operate on autopilot an awful lot. And so um, I think that awareness is the first thing. And, and there's different ways to build that awareness. So I think the best strategy is to start to work on um, building awareness. And, and you know, some of the, the strategies for me that I use, one is obviously um, reading about, listening to, thinking about. I mean, I started the podcast largely for myself as a, as a way to feed my own good wolf because what would happen is when I, I, would, I would learn an idea or I would hear an idea and I would think that's interesting and then three weeks would go by before I would think about it again. Um, and so what I, what I started the show to do was to kind of keep in the front of my mind on a very regular basis this idea that there is more to to life than the outside world um, to really become cognizant and remember on a regular basis that most of the action is happening inside my brain mm-hmm. and to become aware of that so I think that's one meditation is another that has been very helpful to me in getting there now some people talk about meditation as if it's this calming thing that makes them feel wonderful and blissed out that is not my experience <laughs> of meditation at all um, but what um, what my experience of meditation is, is that over time, I start to become more aware. Because what I do in meditation is I just try and watch what's happening mm-hmm. in my head. Yeah. That's, the, that's the meditation for me, is, is just trying to stay aware of, okay, I'm thinking, uh, oh, I hear a sound, mm-hmm. oh, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, you know, and just, and so that's been the way that I've developed that awareness yeah. uh, mostly. And I think it's important for everybody, and I reflect about on this too, different people will find different way of breaking that cycle. And sometimes it's enough to, a small shift, a small thing. Uh, one of the things that I like to do when I'm speaking about this in the group format uh, um, is asking people to write the word reactivity. And you can do it because it's a very fun exercise <laughs> that really, uh, I think, very powerful. So if you write the word reactivity, tell me when you have done that. All right. Hang on. Uh-huh. Let me find a pen and paper. Yes. Or imagine in your mind. But it's more powerful if you write it. I'll write it. And I'll people. Write it. I uh, got it. <laughs> hang on. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is, I always like to, because I know that so many people listen to podcasts while they are driving. Don't write when you are driving. You can do this afterwards. So, and it's still powerful, even after we know um, the, the end of the story here. So you have the word reactivity down. Can mm-hmm. you localize the letter C between the A and the T? So react. The, the C there between the... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So now move it to the beginning of the word. Ah, creativity. So a small change can make a big impact. Yeah. It's just that kind of movement that sometimes... Because sometimes I think one of the things that prevent us from changing is that we think, oh, it's so much. And there's a lot. Sometimes changing behavioral habits is a lot of work. 
I totally recognize that. But that doesn't mean that we cannot start to do something. And sometimes doing that small change makes an incredible difference. We have to start to make the ball rolling somehow. And even when it's breaking the reactivity cycle and become more creators of our own lives, sometimes we have to, this baby step approach, I think, can be very, very efficient. Yeah, I think that's one of the, if there's a common theme that comes up on the show, most, there might be a few of them, but one of them is exactly what you said. It's that idea of, a, of just getting started and taking small steps because we'll be, it's, it's amazing what a series of small steps taken consistently over a period of time will produce. Very powerful. And another thing that is very powerful and you use, use a lot this in your podcast is the power of stories itself or the parables of metaphors, because I think, and I would like to know your opinion about this. Um, so bef before I give my opinion, why do you think that stories are so powerful? Um, I think that we are, I think we are story-driven creatures. I mean, I think we, I just think we, We look for story, we look for meaning in most everything. And I just think stories are a very direct way of, um, of getting to that. And, and parables in particular, I, I love parables that are good because they manage to say an awful lot in a very small package. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, you hear that wolf parable and it's, you almost intuitively, instantly get it. Um, you know, the second arrow parable makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I think that they're useful and helpful because they're easier to remember and, um, they pack a lot of truth. So they're, they're, they're easier to carry around and remember than a theory. Yeah, I totally agree. And I only add the thing that I think stories also is, how do you say, it feeds our intellectual side so we can understand it. Your our left brain, like Suzuli said, that you, you, oh, I can get it. But at the same time, there is a way that the story has of creating an experience, an emotional element to the, the intellectual part that I think is much more powerful. And, and I think th th that becomes something that we get at an intellectual level and we feel it in our body too. And I think that is very powerful for changing. Yeah, I think it becomes critical at some point for changing because intellect only takes you so, so far. far. You, you have to get, it's that analogy of, um, I don't know if you've heard the analogy of the rider and the elephant. Tell us about it. <laughs> so I guess another parable or analogy. But the idea is that You know, we we all have a, a rider and an elephant, and the rider is our conscious brain. It's our prefrontal cortex. It's that deliberative system. It's the thing that can yeah. think about the future, make decisions, consider, okay, what's good for us, what's not good for us. So that's the rider. And then the elephant is all of that emotional, habitual, um, Pavlovian um, subconscious aspects of us. And the, so if you think of it in that way, the rider can decide where it thinks it wants to go. But if it, if the elephant doesn't buy in mm -hmm. at some point, the, the rider is not going to be able to do very much with that. And so that speaks to exactly what you said there. It's things like story and emotion. When you, 
when you start to connect emotionally to a lot of these things, then the elephant changes direction. Yes. And, and then it's so much easier. But if you're always trying to pull an elephant the other direction, it, that's gonna, you're only going to be able to get so far with that. Love it, love it. And I think it's a great way of bringing our, this call to an end because I think there is something, uh, something that we can be thinking about and how can we uh, get both the rider and the elephant going in the same direction yep, yep, uh, exactly. in a good, with a good destination in view. So where do people, of course, I will recommend everybody to go to iTunes, Teacher, whatever way you listen to podcasts and uh, subscribe to this amazing podcast that is the one you feed. You really are in for a treat. If you like Mindset Zone, you are going to love the one you feed too. So I really recommend. And tell us what other places people can know more about you and more about your podcast. Yeah, the easiest place is just oneufeed.net. That's O-N-E-Y-O-U-F-E-E-D.net. And from there, you can listen to the episodes right on the website. You can find links to iTunes or Stitcher or send us an email or anything you want. Wonderful. So thank you so much for your time today and for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. I could go on forever. Thank you. I enjoyed it a great deal also. It was truly a pleasure to have the opportunity of have this conversation with Eric Zimmer. And, and like always, I love to hear your comments about this and learn from your own experiences. What are the stories that impact you more? How do you use these uh, stories to um, help you a shift to your mindsets. So love to hear about that. And if you want a weekly mindset workout, make sure that you also are subscribed uh, to this podcast, Mindset Zone, via like iTunes Teacher, or also uh, you can go directly to the website, mindset.zone forward slash info there you'll go to apply or where all the episodes are for the notes of today episode and the links to the when you feed podcast if you go to mindset.zone for slash 29 you will find everything there too and of course also to give you an extra incentive to visit my website go to mindset.zone forward slash free stuff you will find different resources there and you always can write me to Anna, A-N-A, at mindset.zone, telling me what you love to see there, as well as any comment about this podcast. Very grateful that you crossed over into the Mindset Zone. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com is .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources. As always, I'm so grateful that you have crossover 
into the mindset zone. Spend what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.